Hey friends, welcome back to the Uncommodified Podcast and to another Uncork Conversation, my favorite kind of conversations. Today, my guest once again is my great friend, Amanda McDougall. Amanda, welcome back to the show. Hey Tim, good to be back. This is like every day at the office, it's sort of when we go to co- for coffee when we're planning things, but it's a little different, a little bit more formal. Well, maybe not so formal, because it's an uncorked conversation, and that means we don't have to have coffee because it's not 10 a.m. That's true. It is evening time, so we can drink something that big boys and big girls drink. That's right. What are you drinking tonight, Amanda? Well, tonight, Tim, I actually am finishing off uh, a bottle of, of 20-year-old Taylor Flaggate Port. The celebratory yes. bottle that I had, and this is the end of it. Oh, what was the celebration that that was bought for? It was, it was for us working together. I know to start our partnership. Yeah, it was, it was, and I, you know what, man, I do you better than I do myself because you got a twenty-year-old port, and I have a lowly ten-year-old port. <laughs> But also, also a very good port, and uh, I am going to pour myself a drink. And uh, cheers to you, Amanda. Cheers, Tim. Oh, we're officially like old people. We're drinking, we're sipping port. <laughs> why we, why we podcast? It sounds so uh, uppity uppity. We're just we sipping be in port. The Yes. Well, I was in the smoking room earlier, but that smoking room is in my backyard. Don't tell my wife. She's gone tonight. So (laughs) surprise, Pam, surprise. Anyways, let's get back to things. So here's what we're going to do tonight in this conversation. It'll be a little bit different. We're going to bring you as a listener into our crazy world that Amanda and I work in when we sit down and sometimes we sit down and have a drink together like a glass of wine or sometimes we sit down and we have a coffee and we chitty chat and we bounce ideas back and forth and we push and pull on them and we stretch them and then we try to figure out how we're going to communicate certain things to our clients. So we're letting you behind the curtain tonight, as it were, into the crazy conversations that we have when we're exploring an idea when we're brailing it out and touching it and try to try to get our hands around it. So I'll let me introduce a topic to our listeners tonight, Amanda. It's a provocative idea that you and I have been talking about for a while and f- seeing how this works out in the worlds that we work in. But here's the question we want you to think about as we start tonight. And again, if you're a business leader, if you're an organizational leader, or you just exist in an organization or a business, this conversation would be for you. And even if you don't, you might find it helpful in relationship to how you deal with certain things in your life that come up. So the provocative idea that we want to push and pull on in this conversation is this. What if... When things do not go as well as you planned, of course, that never happens, but what if something doesn't go as well as you planned in your organization? What if you came around the problem that you're experiencing instead of coming around and blaming people? So what if you came around the problem Instead of coming around and blaming people as our immediate response, which sometimes happen, and what if... Uh, as a result of that, we actually saw our people more like capital assets in our business as opposed to disposable assets. What if we? What if that was part of the psyche that we uh, chose to look at these things through? So, Amanda, when we push and pull on this idea, first of all, why is this an interesting conversation to you? Well, I think it's really interesting because I see it happen so often in others and in myself, right? When something goes wrong or you hear from somebody that something's gone off the rails, the first instinct that we often have is 
whose fault is it, right? We Mm. set out to find the fault and the blame in the problem rather than going, here's the problem. Who can I find to come around this and help me solve it? And we spend so much energy trying to figure that out. And really, that's not solving the problem. When we're trying to find who's at fault and who's to blame, we're not solving the problem. And yet we Mm. fall into the trap. I fall into the trap of doing that as my knee jerk reaction if I'm not careful. Mm, Interesting. So I just heard you say something interesting. and, And this is, by the way, this is sort of how we riff on one another when we're creating content. We have these discussions and then we we come up with these sort of ways of looking at it. So what I'm hearing you say very quickly is we we want to we, we instead of finding the who, what we want to do is we want to uh, and finding the fault, we want to find the the source of the problem. So we want to make our quest different. Instead of questing to figure out who did it, we want to find out what the core problem is and how the who's can come together to solve it is really what I hear you saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Tim, how I think this relates to disposable assets versus capital assets is I think when we go to who's the problem, we're mm-hmm. actually looking to blame someone and we're looking to not care for that that person really in the moment. In the moment, it's not about caring for the person. It's about finding the person to blame. And when you Mm. think about the concept of assets, disposable assets, when they break or they aren't doing what you want them to do, or they've lost their usefulness, you throw them out, you get rid of them. That's why they're called disposable, right? And so we often unintentionally just do that. We treat our people, even though we say we don't, but in some of our yeah. actions, we treat our people like they are the disposable asset. Yeah. And, and you know, again, and I, we're all guilty of this. I mean, again, we're not above this, as you already said, yeah. Amanda, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, you know, recently um, we had a situation that you and I were chatting about. I wasn't very happy about something. I'm not going to go into what it was, but I wasn't very happy about it. And I... Uh, I, I had a little bit of a hissy fit, a little bit of a pissy fit on the way way home from someplace uh, as we were driving home, and that wasn't my best moment. And that listen, I'm human. We're all human, and sometimes we we give into these 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 bet the less than better ways of looking at things. And that conversation was full of my angst around an individual, not necessarily my frustration with the problem. Mm-hmm. And of course, Amanda, being the great person that she is, she listened very dutifully to me, rant and rave. And then she very kindly re- redirected my thinking around the problem and the solution as opposed to the person and my frustration. So well played, Amanda. Well played. I will drink to that, <laughs> by the way. Another opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. I drink to that. It was well played. I, you can see how that works out. So, so what what do you what are some of the strategies that we could employ that would help us uh, recalibrate ourselves on on this thinking about how how we move to blame and and the who done it yeah. as opposed to moving towards the problem solving. Right. Well, you know, I think one is acknowledging that that's where you're going and asking yourself, Mm. am I asking myself the right questions? I think that's the first thing. I think if we follow the analogy of, you know, not thinking about your, your team, your employees as disposable, and we look at them instead as capital assets, we treat our capital assets much differently, right? We take, we, it's a given that our building, let's say if you own a building, 
and you have a company, it's the building you have. So you work with the building, right? In order to deliver what you've, what, what product you're trying to create, whatever your business is. And you might have to do some renovations. You for sure have to do maintenance in terms of putting into the building. So it continues to be useful, you know, as part of, as part of your business. Um, and so how do we take that analogy and think about it in terms of our teams? How are, how are we in the moment of a problem, really stopping and saying, what resources do I have? How can I use the assets that I have? They are what I have. I'm not going to get rid of them to come mm -hmm. around this problem. What can I find that I actually appreciate in the moment? What are the good things? Because we find what we're looking for, right? You mm -hmm. know, if you, if you want to move out of, of somewhere, you find everything wrong with the home you're living in. But if you want to stay, you find everything you love about it. And so in that moment, Asking yourself, am I am I looking for solutions and am I appreciating the resources that I have available to me and am I using them to the best ability? And sometimes that means asking questions instead of making assumptions. Can you help me understand what's going on here? Can you know, can you give me some insight what your perspective is? A lot of asking questions instead of jumping to assumptions. What other ideas do you have, Tim? Well, you know, first of all, I think that, that what you just said is brilliant in the sense that, again, jumping to conclusions will always cause you a problem. Remaining curious and, and asking better questions is always going to put you in a better place. The assumptions we make, particularly when we're frustrated with problems, will kill us. But I think the other thing that I think of as you're talking about this is, and I, I love the analogy, you know, if you have a building that's an asset and it's problematic, you don't just, just decide tomorrow you're going to burn it down and get a new one because it's impractical. You can't do that. You need budget to do it. You need a plan. But it, but as you said, we can fall into that with our people at times. And maybe that's just the core of this thing when you think about it. I mean, our our assets are something we use to go to war with, to fight with, to, to go into business with, to, or to, to take our organizations forward. They are fundamentally our allies, hopefully, in, in what we're doing. And this brings up the point, I think, sometimes is that when we get polarized around this problem, and particularly when people become the problem and we see them at the epicenter of it, is that we become enemies, not allies. So we're no longer mm -hmm. allies around a table having a discussion. You know, I, I think of oftentimes when I think of the word ally, I think of those old war movies where you had these scenes where, you know, generals were in these rooms and in the olden days, you know, they had these big maps out on these tables and they were plotting what they were going to do. And they were coming around sometimes with different members or different nations and they were planning and strategizing. I think of this when I think of Winston Churchill and other nations back in the war. And they came around these tables, around the problem that they were trying to solve as allies around this map in relationship to what can we do? What resources do we have? What is the problem? How are we going to solve it? Obviously, enemies never come around that table to plan. Uh, mm. we, we, the enemy is not in that room. The enemy is outside. It, it's, it's who we're warring against. And so... The good question I think we need to all ask ourselves is at times, are we treating people, our, our, our own people, uh, as enemies and not as allies in the war that we're going to battle for, the uh, what we're trying to accomplish, whether it's a, a business or an organization, and remaining allies in the midst of difficulties, which then brings up the conversation, and we've talked about this before, is, again, having those difficult conversations that do do, do confront the problem and do solve the problem and do name the problem and call it a problem. I think that's part of it. And sometimes we, we call these things challenges and oh, opportunities and, and issues. Uh, no, this is a big-ass problem. 
and being able to call it a problem and then depersonalizing that problem to the point where we're not going at each other's throats as the uh, epicenter of that problem. That's ultimately what we're talking about. And as you're listening, I would just challenge you and ask yourself, do you have a problem in your in your home? Do you have a problem in your life? Do you have a problem in your business, your organization, where frankly, you have be, you're starting to become enemies with the people you ought to be allies with. And that actually diminishes your power because now you're going to battle alone. Uh, you're not going to battle with a team anymore when you take that propositional argument. And I think, you know, we've, I think we've seen this a little bit work out recently even in our own country and our uh, recently, I mean, we're recording this episode uh, in late September, mid, mid late September. I don't know exactly when it'll air, but we've recently had a situation on a, on a national level that maybe is um, an example maybe of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know what's happened with uh, Lisa Laflamme. Uh, you know, when you look at that, and she she's a, an anchor on our, one of our national news, uh, um, CTV News, for those of you who don't know, not in, in Canada, it's a major news network. Do you? How do you see the potential that that's an example of what we're talking about? So <laughs> it's interesting because you and I were talking about this briefly in that, there was a problem. Ratings were, were sliding for whatever reason. But somebody determined somewhere that the problem was the person. And all that needed to happen was to change the anchor. Um, yeah. And ultimately, that cost CTV a lot in terms of reputational risk and a number of other things because they could have engaged a lot of people around whatever the problem was that could have been causing ratings. And let's say that it was, for argument's sake, the fact that Lisa decided to have her hair turn gray, um, which is what's become the flashpoint in that issue. Um, There's a conversation to be had rather than just treating the anchor like it's a disposable um, person who we can just switch out. Because the reality is I saw a study actually earlier uh, this week that I'm not sure if they've done a similar study in Canada at this point, Tim, but in the U.S. Um, Bureau of Labor did a study. And in the U.S., between April 2021 and April 2022, 71.6 million people left their jobs. Hmm. So they quit. They moved and they they're doing research now as to what's really driving that. But some of the themes that are coming out under that are that people want to feel like they are part of the the something right part of something that their job has a purpose, that they matter, that they're not just a disposable asset. And so if you have that many million people that are are leaving, if they're not brought in to help be part of the solution and they're simply treated like they don't matter, you are adding to your own staffing crisis. (laughs) And it's not easy to replace people like it maybe was when we had unemployment rates that were a lot higher. So there's actually a, a, a business imperative here as well, right? Not only is it just good leadership to have allies and bring them around you and to empower those that that are on your team and treat them like they have value. But it's it's very costly to find replacements. They're maybe not as disposable as you think they are. Yeah. No, I, and that's a good point. And I you know, the other thing that I think of as you talk about that is is that when when we look at this this issue and how people tend to tend to think of these things, the reality is is that people get sort of muddled up at times in that, you know, they see a similar thing happening 
in multiple places maybe in their business. Or frankly, they might experience even the same problem with multiple people. And what they fail to do, and I, I see this a lot when I coach people, it's like the, you know somebody's had the same problem with four different people. And somehow the penny hasn't dropped yet that the only common denominator in all those relationships is them. And so it's mm-hmm. like it's like it's so easy to personify the problem outside of yourself. And it's like all four of those people were bad. They were the problem. But the only common denominator in all four situations was the was the one person. And so you got to ask some better questions of yourself because sometimes we are not we're actually we're not throwing water on that fire. We're throwing gasoline on it. We're a co-contributor to that problem. And understanding and owning our part of that, because at the end of the day, I mean, people are part of the problem at some level. But if we move to that blame, first of all, we are going to have a very negative disposition. So if we can hold the tension that you got, you're talking about here, where we can actually talk about the problem or we can take it outside of ourselves, sort of put it on the table, as it were, and look at it from multiple angles, and then ask, what is our part in that? Well, you know, what, what part do we have to play in that? Uh, and, and understanding that, again, if people aren't disposable in the process, then how do we work with them? At the same time, there are times in which you do need a, an ending with somebody. There, the reality is at times uh, we're going to need an ending and something's going to have to change. But if that's our default mechanism that we go to that, oh, this must be the wrong person. You know, and you've seen this, Amanda. It's like people, you know, people, I mean, if somebody comes in for an interview and, oh, this is the most amazing person we've ever seen. They're so amazing. They're going to be so amazing. And then six months later, everybody's shitting all over them. Like somehow they had a heart and brain and, and, and everything else transplant, and now they're a piece of crap. Well, what happened in six months? Maybe, maybe the fact is they hung around with me too long, and they, they, that now that, maybe that's their problem. But the reality is we have to understand that this is a complex thing. And if we're going to villainize people along the way, it never goes well for us. No, and I mean, you've highlighted just the stages in relationships, right? You know, you think back to if you've ever dated anyone, right? In the beginning, it's 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 wonderful. There's nothing that person can do that's wrong. Everything is about passion and it's great, right? And at some point, if that relationship um, goes deeper, you start to find out, oh, maybe that person's not perfect, right? And at that, a lot of relationships end at that point. But if you're willing to push past the fact that, that that people have flaws, which, oh my goodness, everyone does, and be able to accept that there are strengths in a person and, and deficiencies, right? Like challenges that some people have. It makes it much easier to work with people to solve problems. Because if you're expecting that the honeymoon phase is going to last for 20 years, you're probably delusional. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Wait now, wait now. I have been married to the most wonderful woman ever, the Mrs. Windsor, for 36 years now. And it has been a honeymoon for 36 years. And she will you tell, tell you, yourself that, Tim. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. I, I, believe, I believe it. And therefore, it's true, Amanda. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, I, you know what? This also brings up another point. And this is, again, the disingenuous nature, maybe, of, of people at time and leaders. You know, how often have we heard people say, or they put it, you know, they put it on their website or something. People are our greatest asset. You know, people are our greatest asset. And then right, right behind that comes, you know, our internal people are customers. Really? That's all. Come on, seriously? That's, that can be a lot of bullshit and butterflies. I mean, people are our greatest asset, but 
Uh, you know what? They're always the source of the problem, so we just burn. We just we, we just slash and burn them. But we don't do that to our buildings, which is the greatest asset. Oh, maybe it's not the greatest asset. And then we have this idea and we hear this, oh, we're, we treat our internal people like they're customers. They're customers. And I think, really? I don't think you'd ever do that to your customer or you wouldn't have a business. Uh, mm. So maybe part of this thing is, is that leaders and people of influence in organizations and businesses ought to stop lying to themselves about this idea that people are our greatest asset and we treat them like customers when the reality is, is maybe we don't do that as much as we think we do at times. Right. You know, I, in my coaching sessions, I will often have conversations with leaders about um, whether or not they're actually living out the values that they say they have hmm. and spend some time really getting them to actually verbalize, well, what, what do you value? And maybe in cases like what we're talking about today, when you're having a challenge with, um, you know, a problem that is related or not related to a specific person on your team is really asking yourself, what do I value in not only them as a person, right, starting there with the positive side of things, but also what are my values and how I want to show up in resolving this problem? Mm-hmm. And if we asked ourselves that question more often, I think people genuinely want to treat others like they have value. They yes. want to 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 have people be their greatest asset. That's why it's on the wall. But we have to ask ourselves really hard questions about our actions actually aligning with what we say we value. Hmm. So again, we're just having this conversation a little bit different in this podcast, just having a conversation as we would across a table in a restaurant if we were thinking through something to train with. And I, you know, the one thing I would say is that if you and I were sitting down having this conversation and we were saying, how would we communicate this to a customer, maybe in a session. I think what comes to me is I think this building analogy is really powerful in that, you know, when you think of your capital assets, when you've got something sticky with your warehouse facility, you don't raise it to the ground with fire. You know, you, you, you go, you, you hire a consultant, you ask questions, you, you, you get to the bottom of what's happening of why it isn't as efficient as it should be. You, you, you jerry rig a solution for a season, you figure it out and then you, then you create a budget and you invest invest and and then you revitalize the facility and you move on because it's a capital asset. So mm-hmm. I, I really think if if we were taking all of this and wrapping it into some kind of training session, I can see a beautiful graphic on the screen of a of a beautiful building and then a picture of a person and the question would would be do you see these two assets the same? Um, uh, that's, that's visually how I see it because when you use a building analogy, it just makes sense. I mean, how many people out there, how many of you who work in a, at an office or a building or you are a business owner or you're a leader or you are a manager and you go, man, if this was my office, I would have done this. This is terrible. This is a terrible design. You know, you got to bring in the ergonomist and figure it out. It's just terrible. Well, but you learn to live with it and you figure it out. And you, uh, you, you, you pull up your bootstraps and you do what's got to be done because that's just the way it is. And every once in a while, you know, you get rid of the dusty rose paint, you put something different on it. It looks beautiful. And maybe you do a full scale renovation, but renovations are hard. They're tough. They're cost a lot of money and they interrupt productivity and all the other stuff. But again, what if we saw, if we believed enough in our people that every once in a while you need to invest in them and help them renovate themselves. You know, yeah. there's a lot of employees out there that are good people, good meaning people, but frankly, they're just a little dusty. 
Uh, they need to go back to school a little bit. They got to learn a few more things. You, they, they need a different coat of paint. Maybe they need a little renovation. They need an investment in them uh, of new skills and new, and, and new understanding to move into the new world. And maybe that's the way business leaders ought to look at the opportunity with their people, particularly, as you said, in a market that is very difficult to replace people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I think that's a cheers, Tim. You just summarized the whole like thought process in a graphic on a PowerPoint. I like that. And for those of you, by the way, who are watching by uh, a video, you can see we are raising our glass of port, which is a snooty drink, but quite nice to one another as we chat tonight. So, so again, a little different conversation. We won't go quite as long as we normally do, but just want you to think about these things. Uh, Amanda actually had sent me an email maybe a couple months ago about this idea as a topic. And I, I, it's a brilliant idea, Amanda, because we're all susceptible to this problem. We're all susceptible to putting blame on people instead of uh, taking responsibility ourselves. We're all susceptible to not taking the problem and putting, taking it outside of people and sort of trying to, uh, see, uh, trying to see it inside of them and vilify them at times. I know that I struggle with this. Uh, I think every human does at any level. And so it's a great conversation. And so what I would say to you is that if you're listening, you're listening for a reason. And if you're in a place of influence, uh, ask yourself what this conversation means to you. If you're uh, if you're a, a member of an organization or a company, ask yourself what this means to you. Because by the way, just because you're not a leader doesn't mean you're su- not susceptible to this. A lot of times, you know, if you work in an organization or a company, you look at your leaders and you see them as the problem. Uh, then they might look at you and see you as the problem. And so maybe, again, we need to come around that table like uh, like generals and uh, and allies did in the war and ask ourselves, who is our common enemy? What is the common enemy we're trying to kill or to solve, which in this case would be the problem? And how do we get that problem outside of people and ask ourselves a subset of better questions? Questions that would allow us to understand that this problem could be co-owned by everybody. And in fact, the problem probably exists in everyone at some level. This is our encouragement to you. Next time you are apt to uh, uh, not uh, behave well like I didn't in the car ride uh, on the way home, maybe you too will have an Amanda sitting beside you who will calm you down, center you, and ask you a series of better questions and ask you to be your better self, just like Amanda did. Thanks again. Cheers to you, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening in today. If you've not subscribed to the Uncommodified podcast yet, do it today. Do it right now. And please rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen on. That would be so helpful to help us spread the word. Now it's time to own what you heard today. Get it out of your head and activate it in your life. And when you do, tell me how you are uncommodifying yourself and standing out for all the right reasons in a very crowded world.